In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. knew at the beginning of the year we were going to make another September, but here we are thriving as Neil Diamond belts out the tune September Morn in the 1980s. Of course, he, he's not uh, performing anymore due to uh, health issues, but we'll always have September. We will always have September, my friend. We will very likely always be on in the morn. And I guess while many diamonds are forever, that does not include Neil. No. But again, this is David Pridham and Brad Sheaf. We are back here. We mean business. We, we, we're really, Brad, I, I was thinking about this over the weekend. We're really at the intersection of business and politics and pop culture, where all three meet. You and I reside. But of course, you can learn more about our show on our website. Our website is known as IPFrequently.com. Don't forget to catch us here each week. We're here on the cable radio network, CRN1. Uh, every Saturday morning, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. And we're, we're there for you uh, during times of tumult. And those of you who listen to us on the conventional, old-fashioned podcast route and don't want to upgrade to a cable radio, which makes sense, of course. You, you've seen what happened to 8-Tracks and Beta and VHS. Uh, you don't want to go and buy that cable radio. You stick with the old-fashioned podcast. Uh, remember to rate, subscribe, review, reflect, recommend, and then do it all over again. So listen, so, so I, I mentioned before the show in front of this great studio audience that uh, I had a great story uh, for you. And so this weekend, I know you were at the Air Force Academy um, for your daughter's final, um, what, what's it called? Parents weekend? Yeah, parents weekend. Yeah. So your daughter's final parents weekend there before she heads off into space, which literally she's going to be doing. Um, and uh, this weekend we did something similar. We have a we have some younger kids. So we decided on Monday, right? We made these plans about a week ago. We decided, listen, the kids deserve one big send off for the summer. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take them to the water park. Oh, nice. They're in, uh, in the Dallas Metro area. I presume yeah, there's, there's a water park. Yeah. There is a water park out at the Gaylord hotel and convention center. Have you been to the Gaylord breath, but I didn't, I, I, I'm going to add a little, a little tributary, a little side note here to your story. There is a Gaylord Hotel and Water Park in Denver. I did not realize it was a chain. Well, I don't know if it is or not. This is uh, it could be just different people than Gaylord. This is a place run by Marriott. It's this huge resort, and yeah. they got it out in Grapevine, and they got some of it's covered over, like it's covered over with a dome, covered oh, wow. with a dome. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, incredible. No, no dome over the one in Denver, but it is enormous. Yeah, there's a dome over part of the the garden area, and you walk around. But we only went to the water park. So you go to the water park. And you can reserve a cabana. It's like a couple hundred bucks and you go there 
And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Usually we've done that water park. You and I have been to at Disney at the hotel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's nice. But you have not experienced Americana, my friend, as you go to the water park at, I believe it's called Paradise Springs at the Gaylord. And when you go to Paradise Springs, Mm -hmm. uh, you truly experience America because you really don't do it at the hotel at the Disney, right? That's not really America. That's a different Mm -hmm. place. That's, you know, that's neither here nor there. So within, we were there, we got to get there like 930 in the morning yesterday. Mm -hmm. Immediately, the kids want to go up this thing and there's this big contraption where they can climb up multiple levels and there's water falling on them. They go down slides and everything. And um, there are just thousands of people thousands of people they have a lazy river they have another bit thousands of people and uh and so you you know the kids go up and they're sliding down the slides and and we're just trying to make sure we don't lose one of the three kids and 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 you know or two or all three or all three yeah i mean at least you can you figure if you come home with two-thirds of what you went in with you're Mm -hmm. you're coming out ahead so my job is to stand at the bottom of the three water slides Right. To make sure that uh, our kids get down and then they go back. I, I walk them back over the stairs. Right. And, um, and and so I'm standing down at the bottom of this water slide and I'm seeing things, my friend. And, and you obviously have been in combat, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. You've been in combat. So I saw things that I cannot erase. Right. <laughs> in my memory. I saw that. First of all, first of all, how to say this, there, there's a lot of um, very healthy people at this water park. Very, very healthy. In fact, maybe robust, robust, maybe um, energetic, maybe a little larger than life or just larger. Um, And so you're seeing a lot of that going. I mean, I like literally watched a a young lady. I think she was probably about 62 uh, have a full conversation with her cell phone on speaker while she was balancing a Coca-Cola float on her stomach, laying on a barca lounger. Well, I, yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Not what yeah. you're looking for, for mm-hmm. sure. Not what you're looking for. And uh, so then I'm watching these kids come down the slide and the kids range from ages from you know two, even though you're not supposed to be on the slide till you're like six mm-hmm. to like 62. And mm-hmm. most of the women coming down the slide are a little bit larger than life. If you know, like Rosemary Clooney types. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Lizzo. You know, the big actress Lizzo now. Mm-hmm. Lizzo, who the people mm-hmm. were fat shaming. They shouldn't like that. Mm-hmm. And so and then I then I quickly realized also that there is no system whatsoever for sending these people down these slides. Right. Usually like the hotel we go to at Disney, kid goes so down. There's no the slide. staff at the top of the slide. Oh, right? no, there's staff at the top. There's staff. Oh, there's okay. okay. The top. All right. All and right. there's one person at the top, one person at the bottom. <clears throat> OK. And uh, there are three slides going down and mm-hmm. the kids are going down and they're just they're not spacing them out at all like the, the place we go to at disney they're looking at the screens they can see when the person gets off at the bottom they send the next right, person right, right no such system here so <laughs> within within watching this thing for five minutes i see a three-year-old young girl who maybe weighed 30 pounds if okay. she weighed a pound come down yeah. mm-hmm. a little cute kid in a barbie uh bathing suit she comes down and she's all giddy from going down the slide and she starts to try to get out. And of course, there's no parent anywhere in sight. So she's mm-hmm. just struggling, but starts to try to get out of the slide. And you have to climb over the side of the slide. She puts her hands on the side of the slide before she could do another thing. This woman comes down the slide and the very similar. You ever see the, remember the 85 bears? I do. Yes. Hell of a remember, football team. Yeah. Remember, remember Dan Hampton, the great lineman, Dan Hampton. I do. So picture Dan Hampton, if he had like a really, really bad night at the Pizza Hut and ate 17 pizzas, 
right? Yeah. All right, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and then and then Dan Hampton put on a one piece like spandex bright green woman's bathing suit, okay? And just comes barreling down that slide without regard for anyone. Hits hits the little two or three year old, oh sends the two or three year old into the sky about three feet up. And then the two or three year old comes down on Dan Hampton's belly, right? To which oh Dan boy. Hampton starts cursing at the three year old. Mm-hmm. All sorts of words in a language I don't understand. And um, basically yelling at the, and then the lifeguard comes over and blows the little whistle and then tells the three year old that she's not allowed to go down the slide anymore. Meanwhile, Dan Hampton goes back up for another run. Now, granted, it took Dan Hampton about 35 minutes to get to the top of the three flights of stairs he had to climb to get to the top of the slide. Mm-hmm. But that that's the type of thing I dealt with on the Labor Day weekend. And then just when you think it's over, right, that's over. The kids are having all the lifeguards, all three or four of them start blowing their whistle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you saw Jaws, right? When, when I did, yes. Scheider just get, get out of the water. He's ringing the bell. It's yeah, the equivalent of a bigger boat. Yeah. They're all, they're all whistling the, the, bat, the, 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 the whistles and they're blowing the whistles and there there's chaos and get out of the water. I'm telling everyone to get out of the woman with the Dan Hampton lookalike goes running out. The little kid goes, everyone, my kids, we gather them up. And my wife comes out from under the structure with this look on her face, like, you know, just horrified look. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, what happened? And she said, you don't want to know. And I said, well, just tell me what happened. She said, if, if I tell you what happened, we're going to leave right now. And I said, well, just tell me. She said, well, I was coming down the stairs uh, of the thing with our, our youngest son. And there was a thing on the bottom step. And I said, well, what thing was on the bottom step? She said, well, there was someone, someone had defecated on the bottom mm-hmm. step of the water slide. And I said, what do you mean defecated? What, what do you mean? Was there, there was some sort of a diaper there? And she said, no, there was no diaper there. And I said, well, was there like a swimsuit or something? She said, no, no, no. It was just someone had, had gone number two on the bottom sl- step of the slide. Then all these kids were stepping in it and dragging it all around. And so my wife had to report this to the lifeguard who went over and they did a, a quality control check. An evaluation, we call yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, quality control check. And then they literally started panicking and getting all the kids out of the pool. And so, and, and then our kids got out of the pool. Then Brad, we took a trip to the lazy river, which I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And then by that time they decided to keep the water slides closed for the rest of the day because of the contamination and bacteria risk. But not uh, into the lazy river. The lazy river was poop free as far as we know. Lazy river was poop free. And it was, I did one run around the lazy river where I just walked and mm-hmm. I, there were people bumping into me the whole time. It was like herding cattle. Well, buddy, I, that's none of that is appealing. So I think we've learned a valuable lesson about where not to spend Labor Day next year if one is in the you know general Dallas metroplex. But as we were taught in the great tune Helter Skelter, when you get to the bottom, you go back to the top of the slide, buddy. That's that's the way it works. Well, Brad, of course, we've got uh, the start of the show. We like to talk about the things that everyone is focused on. We're in the process of uh, closing the book on summer 2022. Fall is upon us. We're turning the page, shaking the Etch-A-Sketch, resetting the clock. And I thought it would be good if we just took a couple of minutes here and talked about the state of the nation, right, as we head into the fall, pumpkins, you know, bales of hay, turkeys, um, and approach the midterm election. So there were a couple of data points I saw in the news this week that I thought were interesting. And everyone out there can take out their pens now and start writing this down. 
two uh, states in particular, Maryland and, and, and California, that sort of indicate where we are as a country, mm. right? So in terms of California, San Francisco, um, I guess as crime is running rampant through the streets of San Francisco, Carl Malden, who is Carl Malden, um, and the, um, the uh, inflation is striking incredibly um, hard on, on people there, the San Francisco uh, school board has asked parents, right, parents in San Francisco to rent out spare rooms to teachers because teachers they're hiring can't afford to live in San Francisco, which is, I guess, a requirement of, uh, of uh, teachers. Well, buddy, you and I have both been in San Francisco, not recently, but recently enough to know that that has, you know, that should just be walled off and declared a disaster area. And, and, and this all happens because people want to live in a fantasy world, right? They, they, they want to take the position that there is no such thing as truth, and then they want to just state almost like Dorothy clicking her heels three times and saying, I want to go home. They just want to say, well, the world, in my mind, the world should be this way. So I'm just going to stand here and act like it is. And none of the facts or circumstances or evidence that are being daily presented to me of the failure of my own leadership or the lack of common sense in a culture hinged entirely on making stuff up and then pretending it's true works. No one wants to do that. And so now, buddy, we find ourselves in exactly these situations, as you've pointed out, from coast to coast. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's unfortunate. And it, it really makes the poop on the stairs of the you know, outdoor water park look tolerable. Um, again, Brad, we are slowly uh, delving into some of the world's crises that uh, uh, all are like a big pile of poop in a water park. Brad and I did spend some time this weekend um, out at Burning Man. Burning Man, of course, is back. This is the big concert, Brad, out in the northern Nevada desert where people, uh, mostly bohemians, uh, trek to hear great, I believe, I believe there's music played there. Um, and I think they burn, they, they burn something big. Hopefully um, not a man. Now, I mean, it's a music and culture festival, I'm told, but uh, I guess it's a nine nine day show. It's a Labor Day thing. A lot of people who probably don't work go out there, but it sounds like maybe something we should consider for next year. Well, buddy, I mean, anytime I can be around bohemians burning things in a desert that will on occasion erupt into a windstorm, i.e. sandblast fest, I am certainly tempted. I will say that I, the, the temptation is strong uh, to attend, but I will probably do as I have done uh, my 54 previous Labor Days and skip the Burning Man Fest. Well, one needs to take a look because I, I have been in travel and you obviously have been in third world countries. I think you spent a lot of time in Guadalajara. Lahara Canal, the one without the Indians, but the traffic jam going in and out of this thing, so especially going out of this thing, is unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, it's just it is just like ten rows of traffic deep of, of cars just leaving the desert, and they're just stopped. I mean, there there are like eight or ten miles of of traffic, and most of these people are probably drunk or liquored up or on some sort of psychedelic. But uh, it, it doesn't look like fun. And then you literally drive all the way out there. You're, you, there's no there's no hotel. I mean, there isn't even a water park with poop in it. And you uh, stay there for eight or nine days. 
There are 80,000 other people. You listen to some D-rate talent. You do mm-hmm. your psychedelics and then you get in your, your RV and you turn around and you go back. Yeah. No, it sounds in, like in a traffic. great time. Yeah. No, it sounds like a great time, but I don't know why any, people don't do it all the time. Uh, next, Brad, we get to uh, we, we segue from Burning Man to the Biden watch, Joe Biden, of course. And, and he's had, you know, the last couple of weeks, he's had somewhat of a resurgence. You look at the polls, his polls are up from the mid 30s to the low to mid 40s. So that's approval rating. So that's a that's a start. He got his um, his uh, IRS bill through the House and Senate and signed that bad boy. Um, and uh, now he's out there doing a nationwide tour where he is um, he is basically going around uh, sort of like a victory lap um, based on everything that's going on in this country, which is sort of ironic, right? He was at Philadelphia Independence Hall this last uh, week, actually before Labor Day. I don't know if you saw that, but he, he, he kind of was standing in front of the building and it was illuminated in red. And so it looked like something you would see in the Star Wars, like with the emperor giving a speech to the intergalactic uh, Senate or whatever that was. And uh, Biden was up there and railing against half the country. And he kind of had a look of that the emperor in the Star Wars, only without like the emperor's good charm and boyish good looks. So, um, you know, it, it, it seemed and then, and then, of course, Donald Trump had a speech the next night where he called Biden the enemy of the state. And it's just like a ping pong match back and forth between two of the worst people in the world. And it's getting uh, exhausting. But Biden's out there giving this sort of a victory lap, which I think is kind of ironic. Well, yeah, I mean, I get maybe he's crazy like a fox, right? Maybe if you let your approval ratings drop into the 30s, I mean, just stop and think about what that means, right? I mean, that that means that about a third of the country that you are nominally running approves of you, meaning that two thirds of the country are looking at you and going, come on, bud, you know, we got to do better. But but maybe if you've done that, you know, what you drive your approval rate down to the 30s, then you can go take a victory lap when it gets to a level that most other presidents would be embarrassed to have. You can take a victory lap at that point because, you know, you're back in the 40s, right? You're still underwater, still below 50% of the folks that you are nominally leading approving of you. But if you were in the 30s, the 40s does kind of give you the opportunity to say, hey, let's let's get out there and talk about how great we're doing um, while I posture myself on some sort of weird, as, as you pointed out, buddy, dictator-like, you know, backdrop and then rail against, you know, fully half of the folks that voted in the prior election it just for a guy who said, well, you should vote for me because I'm I'm going to return us to a kinder, gentler, more united United States. He's obviously not decided that's not going to work. Right. I mean, and and again, but everyone listening to this show knows it's all about the midterms. Right. This is the final push into it. The Democrats realize that, you know, they have, you know, crapped the top step or the bottom step, some step. They've crapped it on their way into the midterms. They've got to do something or they're going to get hammered. And, you know, God bless Biden. He's out. You know, they're pumping them full of crack cocaine or whatever it is they're doing. They're sending them out there. They're shining lights on buildings. They're putting Marines around. They're doing whatever they can to try and give the impression 
that he is effectively in charge and you should continue with his program. Yeah, I mean, but, but again, it's baby steps. And actually, he was out. He was out over Labor Day. He was up. I mean, there, there were some battleground states in the in the in these midterms. And Wisconsin is one where there's a an incumbent Republican senator who is sort of in in trouble. Um, and then in Pennsylvania, there's an incumbent Republican who's retiring. And so the Democrats nominate this guy, uh, Fetterman, uh, I think Joe, Joe Fetterman or John Fetterman, who um, is the lieutenant governor. He's he literally lives with his parents. Right. This guy never had a job. Uh, his parents support him. Uh, and then to top it off, he had a stroke in the spring of this year. So hasn't made any real campaign stops when he does go out he like shows up in a hoodie with jeans he's got tattoos and this is the guy that the democrats nominated and very progressive very woke if you will um you know he has he checks all the boxes right i mean he he uh he lives with his parents doesn't have any formal means of transportation he uh his parents support him and he's had a stroke check all those boxes then on the other side of course the republicans have a chance to nominate someone to hold the seat and they nominate dr oz from the Oprah show uh, because Trump supported him. So you basically have this full on circus in, in Pennsylvania. And then Biden goes over there, you know, goes to Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and he's doing these events, right? And, I, and I'm used to seeing the events where like JFK is in Boston and they've filled up the entire Boston commons or, you know, Reagan is, um, is, is giving a speech in, in uh, uh, outside of um, San Diego and they've got, tens of thousands of people. And some of the Trump rallies are, are crazy. I mean, even Mitt Romney drew a lot of people. So Biden's got these Labor Day rallies, right, with these Senate candidates. And he's literally got 12 people there, counting himself, <laughs> counting the He's just got a- And the Secret Service. A few people just milling around, you know, what's this yeah. about, like eating the, the bagels that are there or the kolaches or whatever they, they serve out that way. But I mean, it's just, it's just insane that this is a president of the United States attending these events that are remarkably unpresidential. Yeah. Well, I, you said it right there, buddy. I mean, you, you've answered your own question. The, the individual himself, one Joseph Biden, is remarkably unpresidential. And so he, he just doesn't he doesn't stir confidence in anyone, right? I mean, I, I'm sure the people that went there went there for the entertainment value. I mean, you never know if he's going to lose his mask. You never know if he's going to stick his hand out to shake hands with someone who isn't there. You never know if his wife isn't going to come up and move him back. I mean, it's just he is a doddering old man. And as I've said before, I, I sort of feel bad for him. I mean, if he doesn't realize what it looked like for him to be in front of that building with the Marines behind him, and if he doesn't realize what it looks like for the, you know, again, nominal leader of the free world to have his wife come up behind him in the midst of a press conference and sort of move him, physically move him, like he's incapable of managing himself, then, you know, he's lost it already, right? And as many people are asking, and it's certainly reasonable to ask at this point, I mean, who's really in charge of the administration? I, I mean, but I, I don't, I, and, and having a dozen people show up for your rally, I mean, at some point, someone's got to say, yeah, this just isn't working. Well, but I think they think it is, right? I mean, whoever decided it was a good idea to put him in front of the, you know, the, the, the independence hall at night with the red in the back. I mean, they just, the aesthetics were terrible. And then he's just, just attacking half the country. Now, granted, um, 
you know, you, you the, the relationship, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship between Trump and Biden, right? The only reason one can exist is because of the other one, right? Oh, no, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, but for the other one, you know, but if, if you put a normal person up there with just some semblance of humility uh, on the Republican side, he would, you know, just rub the, wash the floors with Biden and, and knock him pillar to post. And the same, you know, the same with the, the Democrats. If you had somebody who had some humility, some grace, uh, you know, some temperament, uh, the, the same would be, the same would be true. But these guys are locked in like a 45-45 slugfest because they're both so unappealing and so incompetent that, you know, it, uh, it, it just raises the, uh, the uh, you know, raises the, the stakes for the for the country as a whole and people need to see it. Right. And that's the problem with this two party system. We are literally hurtling towards this crazy uh, 2024 election, which is just going to be a redo of the last one. And if for some reason Biden kicks it or, or decides he's out or gets institutionalized or you know, decides to go to Burning Man and, and doesn't come back, Hillary Clinton is waiting in the wings. The only other person that could join this symbiotic relationship and make it worse is waiting in the wings. Yeah, no, it's just, buddy, we're, we're there, right? And, my, and so my hope is, perhaps naively, is that what you stated will happen, right? That, that America will sort of sit up and go, wait a minute, right? Like, let me, let me watch Biden in front of this red building. Then let me go over here and watch Trump at one of his rallies or read any of the things he tweets or whatever you call it, he's not, I guess he's not allowed on Twitter anymore, but he's got like his own Twitter, like Trumper, I, whatever it is, he's pushing out nonsense that he's clacking away on with his thumbs. And, and when I see things like this, my initial reaction is, I'm sure is the case for most of the countries, you just sort of viscerally withdraw, right? You go, I, I, I don't want to see any of that. But then my hope is that the secondary response is, okay, this is this, is too much, right? This is too much. But there, we are slowly but surely dividing to the extremes in the country, right? It seems like the, the Democratic base likes that sort of thing. And it seems like the Republican base likes, you know, the Trump stuff. And, and again, maybe it's just because of where I live, although you and I talk about this, and certainly where you live is the same, when you walk around in your neighborhoods, no one seems to be that extreme in one direction or another. Maybe you've got one wacky neighbor that's, you know, painting signs in their yard about either Biden or Trump and, and fine, we all have that. But the vast majority of folks that you're sitting in the stands at your kid's ball game or you're, you know, chatting with while you, you know, wait in line at the grocery store, I mean, they don't seem to be rabid liberals or conservatives and so i you know i still again as i said naively perhaps cling to this hope that the 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 middle of america will just sit up and go nah we're not doing any of this right you're gonna have to bring us a reasonable human being yeah good luck good luck with that but it's it's just it struck me this past week is it's like a watching a ping pong match and just you know, who can who can up the ante or maybe maybe a better analogy is like watching some crazy wrestling cage match where 
the two are just going to go back and forth and they're going to keep ratcheting up the nonsense until it becomes unbearable. But, uh, you know, I think we're I think we're there. Finally, Brad, the RIP report this week. Uh, listen, first of all, some good news. Tony Dow, who I believe you reported dead a few weeks ago, is still alive. I don't remember. Who's Tony Dow? The, the Wally from the Beaver. Oh, right. Yeah. His his people said he was dead. And then yeah. his other people came out and said he wasn't dead. Yeah. So he has to be one of the two. But I mean, the beauty of this is that he either has to be dead or not dead. I mean, I suppose he could be undead, but that's, you know, no one's really shown that to be a problem, you know, at least a broad problem. So my guess is he's either dead or he's not dead. Dead or undead. And you're telling me he's he's not dead. I'm telling you. Still not dead. He, as far as we know. Right. That's okay. all I can report. But okay. uh, unfortunately, Brad, there is a death to report this week. Uh, tragedy, tragedy is struck in the Amazon. The loneliest man in the world has passed away, and they believe he was 60 years old. Um, this is a, a gentleman who was part of a tribe in the Amazon. Um, he, uh, for 26 years, uh, he had no company after most of his tribe was killed in the um, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, by, um, uh, I believe they were poisoned, fatally poisoned. Uh, he was the only survivor. He was known as the loneliest man in the world because he was truly a tribe of one, much like Terry Fran- Francona when he played for the, uh, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, he was completely without company for at least 26 years. And then he had some, he had, he had some pets. He was also known as the man of the whole due to his fondness for digging deep holes in the jungle. Um, there, there is no other way to um, uh, refer to him or to uh, in any other way talk about him because his name is unknown. But I will say this, Brad, this is something very odd. This is one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up. He was found on a hammock, uh, on his hammock, again, the world loneliest man, and he was covered in macaw feathers, right? Macaw, the big bird. Mm-hmm. covered in macaw feathers. So there's thinking that while he was waiting for death and he was very lonely and he liked to dig holes, this could possibly be some sort of a homicide where a macaw could have uh, uh, could have done him in, in which case he, he was thought to have been around 60. He probably had another good 30 uh, years of isolation and loneliness to go if it weren't for these birds. Well, I, I mean, first of all, who can blame the gentleman, right? I, when you if your choices are looking at the news as it is presented to us on an almost daily basis when you are, you know, sort of out in the world or digging a 10 foot hole in the Amazonian jungle, mm-hmm. arming yourself with whatever's available and keeping everyone else away from you after you have unfortunately lost, you know, your, your tribe, your people. Again, I find no fault with his life choices. In fact, if some of those 10 foot holes are are now uh, tragically available, I am going to give due consideration to moving myself out there and, you know, taking up the same posture. Now, I I will have the benefit of being able to go to school on what happened to this gentleman, and I will keep my head on a swivel for vicious macaws whilst in my hammock. But I got to tell you that being, you know, near the bottom of a 10 foot hole in a comfortable hammock and never having to watch either a president of the United States, a potential president of the United States, or frankly, any other world leader again, 
-hmm. while, you know, having to attire myself in nothing but a loincloth of my own choosing. No one can tell me what loincloth to wear if I'm in a 10-foot hole in the Amazon. There's a lot of appeal to that. Listen, what you do behind closed doors is your business. But uh, as we learned from the man in the hole, who's also the world's loneliest man, I uh, will eventually catch up to you, my friend, in the form of a uh, marauding He's not gang lonely of now, buddy. Now he's moved on. And uh, again, I, I can find no fault with his life choices. Well, Godspeed. Uh, next, Brad, one thing I wanted to go back and touch on real quick is that, you know, we talked about Biden earlier and, that, and, and the whole Trump thing. And we sort of mocked Biden with like a dozen people at his speeches, including the Secret Service. And I believe the funny part is I believe there are at least like 30 or so agents that are supposed to be at the um, uh, at the uh, at, at these speeches and um only 12 showed up. So that tells you that, that even the uh, Secret Service agents are not interested to, to attend, which is interesting. But then on the other hand, you have Trump with these rallies with like 100,000 people there, and he's just blasting the DOJ and the FBI for those, those raids. And then he's he goes on to this sort of unsolved mystery of his own, where he starts talking about the 2020 election and how it uh, has been rigged and it's a big scam. And then he calls on the FBI uh, to overturn the election and, and quote, uh, declare the 2020 election irreparably compromised and either to have a new election or to reappoint Trump as the president as of today. And so I, you were in the FBI. I was. I didn't know y'all had the power to do this. I knew JFK Jr. had some control and sway over this, but I didn't know y'all had the power to overturn elections basically on a... Uh, on a uh, on a whim or just like a close call or, or whatever. Well, it's just a small team, buddy. Again, it's a, that's why you've never heard of it. It's not the the biggest part of the FBI's roles and responsibilities underneath the Department of Justice. So there's a couple of guys who are in the election overturning squad, and you know they'll take a look at it up and down, left and right, in and out, and they'll you know sort of weigh it, then go to lunch. And then come back, make a coffee, think about it again. And if they find it, you know, to be an unfair election, then they will just send a brief memo out that says this nationwide federal election has, you know, been uh, been overturned, and we're we're going to either name a new winner, which, and this is again something that if you weren't in the FBI, you don't know. It doesn't even have to be one of the two people who ran for office. It could be anyone. And the only limitation is that they have to be a mammal. And so those two guys could make a dolphin the president of the United States or a platypus, which would be a good move because then you have a mammal that lays eggs and everyone finds that entertaining. And so you want to be careful about how often you submit a case file to the election overturning squad because you could wind up with a platypus in front of a red building surrounded by Marines. And I'm just mm -hmm. not sure that the United States is quite ready for that. But again, pal, this is what happens. And, and, and while, at least in my opinion, and I, I realize I'm a little biased, it seems that it's usually those folks leaning a little leftward who like to live in worlds of their own fanciful creation. Trump's happy there too, right? I mean, he is happy to march out and announce that the election was a farce and that the FBI of all, of all institutions should be the one who overturns it and either names him the winner or holds 
another election, right? Where I guess everyone would just go by their local FBI office, uh, take a ballot, you know, or just a scrap piece of paper they may have in their pocket, maybe a gum wrapper, write down chads. Yeah. You know, make sure you punch your chad all the way through because I mean, nothing is more intolerable and annoying than a hanging chad and, you know, revote. So I, I just, again, I, all I'm asking for, and I think this would fix many of our problems in this country is stop pretending like you can make up the truth and live in that world. Just everybody stop. Everyone stop. You wouldn't let your kids do it, right? You would not let your kid pretend that the stove wasn't hot, pretend that there, you know, there weren't alligators in that swamp, pretend that it's okay to eat cookies 24-7. You wouldn't let your kids do it. You shouldn't do it either. Okay. Accept the fact that reality doesn't care what you think. Open your eyes, look at it. And if that reality is not the way that you would have it, then fortunately for you, if you're listening to this in the good old US of A, you have the ability to change it through the process of voting in elections you know, meeting together with your colleagues that might be in a parent teacher. So whatever the case may be, you can, you can maneuver yourself such that that reality can be changed, but you can't wish it away. So just stop it. Yeah. It's um, it's, it's, first of all, I, I assume that y'all did the same thing in 76 and that's how we got Carter, but uh, otherwise it's a mammal. It's fair. It's fair. Carter is inarguably a mammal. He liked macaws. That's true as well. Mm -hmm. Love them. Love them. He actually had a pet in the White House. Um, But the only reason he's even able to get up there and give these crazy speeches is because you have um, uh, issues with inflation that are terrible. Energy and energy crisis, by the way, that if you look at what uh, banks are projecting, costs are going to skyrocket, especially going into next winter. you have this immigration crisis where the governor of Texas and the governor of Florida are busing these immigrants up to New York City and Washington, D.C., which I think is, you know, hysterical. Um, and then you obviously have the foreign uh, policy fiascos that are taking place all across the world, whether it be Asia with Taiwan or or the, the Europe stuff or the, the craziness in Central America. But Every step of the way, it seems like our government has made the wrong choice in all of these areas, right? The, the national government. And then you start seeing, you know, the proverbial chickens or macaws coming home to roost. Uh, and, and I, Brad, I don't know if you saw this this week, but they did uh, some of the uh, the reveals on the test scores for uh, children in this uh, country for the last couple of years. And so they looked at math and reading test scores for kids and they, they just focused, you know, for example, on nine or 10 year olds and uh, really across the board, but in particular in these age groups, the reading and math scores fell by a level not seen in five or six decades uh, because of the COVID thing, right? And because of the fact that during COVID, we shut all of uh, the schools down, made people remote learn and basically gave the kids a free year to, to not do anything. Um, but it is, a, it is a crisis out there, whether it be immigration, foreign policy, inflation, energy policy, and educational policy is at the forefront of this. And we're starting behind the eight ball. It's not bad enough that we have some of the worst policymakers in, in our history, but we're starting behind the eight ball because of all the damage that was done with these crazy COVID policies. Yeah, but I, I, again, you just got to hope 
that the folks that you and I run into every day, right. That, that, you know, that I would characterize as sort of the classic American, right. Just someone who wants to live their life, someone who wants to raise their children, someone who is at this point, hoping against hope that any government organization is going to function, you know, any public organization is going to function, be it the school system, be it your local government, your state government, the federal government, your fire department, your police department, I mean, just that, that any of that is going to function because Lord knows you're pouring a huge chunk of your paycheck into that every week or every two weeks, however it is you get paid. And you're just sort of hoping against hope that you're going to see some value out of that, that we will collectively sort of wake up and go, man, we have got to do this differently. And when it comes to education, I mean, you and I are both parents. And fortunately for me, I, my youngest child is in her last year of her public education. She's a senior in high school. Odds are next year she'll go to college if that's what she chooses to do. But, but we're done in my family with the public school system. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and listen, as if things can't get worse, right? You've got test scores in the toilet, all the other things I've talked about around. And one of the things people look at in terms of where this country is going these days is where technology is headed, right? I mean, we always are looking for the next flying car, uh, hoverboard, um, you know, vaccine. And uh, Brad, I could tell you now that the number one and this is probably more indicative of where we are than anything else. The number one um, app being downloaded today, right, in the U.S. is not CNBC. It's not public radio. It's not one of those wiki health a- apps. It is Meow Talk app. Do you know what the Meow Talk? You have a cat, correct? I have neither a cat nor the Meow Talk app, and I and I don't know what it is. The app is now viral just in Japan alone. It's been available for a couple of weeks. It's had 17 million downloads. And what it does is it identifies uh, a, a cat's intent by a uh, meow indicator. And what it does is it takes that meow, it interprets it, and it links it to certain human vocalization. So for example, one meow means feed me, one means I'm angry, one means uh, leave me alone. There are dozens of these things. And so it, it effectively allows these people to communicate with their cats. Now, of course, the first thing you think of is, listen, uh, if the loneliest man in the world had one of these apps and a phone and a place to charge that puppy, he probably could have got something out of those uh, out of those birds before they killed him. Yeah, he needed um, a macaw talk. He needed a macaw talk app. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very very quick um, journey from one to the other. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought, Brad, this would be something you could set up in the home. Siri also connects to it. Siri, of course, is the is the um, voice activated uh, um, uh, app on um, Apple. They also have Alexa on Amazon. Um, uh, connectors that allow you to record the cat as it prances through the home. And then you can get uh, notifications on your phone of where they are in your home and what it is they need, right? Are they hungry? Are they tired? Do they maybe want another little bowl of milk perhaps, Brad? But uh, again, this is where society is focused and probably um, for the better. But the first question that popped to my mind, buddy, is, is, is it a two-way street, right? So now the cat can meow. I hold my phone up. My phone, you know, listens to the meow and then tells me the cat said he's got to, you know, take a dump or he needs a bowl of milk or, you know, there's not enough mice in the house. 
whatever the case may be. Change the cat um, litter. Can I say something to the cat and have the app meow it out? Or is it just, is it a one-way street where it's all the cat barking at me and making demands and I got to respond to that? I think that's version two. Finally, Brad Barter banned the uh, segment everyone waits to hear. That's why we keep it to the end of the show. Um, this week, remember a few, uh, a few months ago, we talked about these viral TikTok challenges, right? And we talked about the one in particular, the Tide Pod Challenge, which were, was essentially we, a person would take the, the, the camera on their phone and record them for the TikTok uh, eating, consuming Tide pods, which are toxic pods that people put in the washing machine containing bleach and 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 and, and dish detergent and uh, clothes laundry detergent, mm-hmm. and um, and you you'd basically videotape it. You'd see how many you could consume before you either died or passed out. Um, and we talked about that. I'm not sure where we came down. I think I wanted to ban it, and you were on the fence. Um, but now, Brad, there is a new TikTok challenge that is uh, even more viral than the Tide Pod Challenge. This is called the Blackout Challenge, uh, where individuals, uh, children in particular, are being encouraged to hold their breath on camera for as long as possible um, and record it and post it uh, promptly to the TikTok. Interested to hear your thoughts on this. I guess there's two ways to look at it, right? I mean, first of all, as a parent, you know, I mean, if your kid is on the TikTok, you know, 24-7 and maybe eating laundry detergent or holding their breath, you want to step in, right? I mean, this is one of those places where you you might want to say to yourself, I, I'm supposed to be in charge here. Let me let me try to inject some wisdom. So I encourage that, right? I think we should all try to raise our kids to be healthy, well-adjusted adults who can step into society and you know hopefully do a better job than we have done. If you are in the gene pool at the level where you watch some other moron eat a laundry detergent capsule and you say to yourself, well, I can do one more. That might be healthy for society, right? For that group, you know, when you're over there in that section of the gene pool saying I can outdo my buddy in Tide Pod eating contests, you may, that may actually turn out to be helpful, right? So I'm a little bit torn um, but, uh, you know, again, as a parent, I'm going to say, if you see your child eating a Tide Pod, one, you want to, you know, perhaps consider not having any more, okay? mm-hmm. but two, step in there and say, no, Junior, um, this is poisonous, stop eating it. So I, I am going to go with banning that practice Right. Well, at the same time, acknowledging the potential advantage in the gene. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with any of that. I, I, I would. Um, I mean, there weren't Tide Pods when you and I were young, right? There was, no. You just have the, the the thing they dump the liquid. Uh, but um, but I mean, if we ever tried to consume any, I mean, I don't think we would even get a sip in before a hand would just bat us in the side of the head and say. You know what the what the heck are you doing? And I have, by the way, also tried to hold my breath before, um, not not a part of a TikTok challenge, but just mm-hmm. in general. And none of mm-hmm. that uh, went well. And usually, I was encouraged to go ahead and do it. And, yeah, no, uh, actually, yeah, that's precisely right. So that's what you want to do. Knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah, have exactly. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't don't stay in the carpet. Is all I'd be told. Right. Um, but but Brad, I think there's a lot we've learned. I'm going to say band as well or bard. 
these episodes are double-edged swords for me. I enjoy our time together. You're very good at walking us through the, the week's events, helping us orient ourselves in the direction that we need to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's always a little bittersweet right? because you always wind up shaking your head and going, I thought last week we may have hit the nadir, um, but no, no, we've continued to dig as a country. So it's always a little bittersweet. Um, but I am hopeful uh, in view of our last discussion that perhaps this idea of you know evolution within the species of adapting to our environment will start to kick in. And if you'd like to find out if that's true, then just come right back here next week and find us on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>